Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Hide everyone uh, in your homes. It's really good for me to be here to share with you today in the next installment of this prayer series as we look today at the uh, phrase, give us this day our daily bread, and that's under the heading of petition. Now, we're familiar with the term petition, aren't we? But it's usually when we're, we're trying to get the government to do something, and the definition of petition is a request uh, to do something. And so you may have got a, an email from uh, change.org or something like that, especially over this COVID season. And, and the idea is that we petition an authority uh, in order to get them to move on a, on a particular issue. But petition is also a term that is used of prayer when we ask God for something specific. And so if you like, there's a, a heavenlychange.org. We've been told as Christians, prayer changes things. And a poet on one occasion said that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Now, I want to be emphatic here today because the Bible is, God answers prayer. I wonder, do you believe that? There is such a thing as answered prayer. But additionally, and this is really where I want to, to land today, there is such a thing as the context of answered prayer. A 19th century evangelist, D.L. Moody, uh, before one of his great rallies, asked a gentleman to, to open the meeting in prayer. And he waxed lyrical for quite a long time until D.L. Moody had to grab his coattails and pull him to stop. And this is what he said to him. He said, man, just call him Father and ask him for something. And that's really what prayer is all about. It's actually going to the heart of what answered prayer is to understand that it is coming to God as our Abba Father and asking him for our needs because he wants to give us our daily bread because he's our father. And that's the context. Context is key. You've heard that statement. And the context to the Lord's Prayer is the introduction, our Father. Prayer is meant to be relational rather than functional. And so when we're talking about bringing our petitions to God, um, it's not like a petition to the government. It's more like a toddler coming to its daddy asking for what he or she needs. And so we need to be aware, because we live in a consumerist society, um, a quick-fix culture, we need to be aware of that which exists in the church, which is a name-and-claim-it type of idea where we just get what we want. That we're, We treat God like the veritable slot machine and we put the prayer in and we get the goods out. It's not like that at all. Prayer is not the Christian version of the genie in the bottle. It is not um, wishing upon a star. And some Christians, it has to be said, treat prayer in a superstitious way, like magic. If I do this, then God will do that. 
And then for other people, it is a thing of fantasy because as far as they're concerned, they never seem to get what they asked for. And that's made even more painful because many of our experiences are that, that it contradicts what actually the Bible teaches us, that we get what we ask for and we receive what we petition God for in prayer. So what's the solution to this problem? I believe it's found in the context of where the Lord's Prayer is. Now, I'm looking at Luke's Gospel, chapter 11 here, and verse 1. We don't have this in Matthew, but Luke gives us an insight to tell us that it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, that when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so what's going on is these disciples had witnessed how effectively Jesus prayed. He got what he asked for, in other words. And so they asked the how question, a functional question. How do you get what you ask for in prayer? And really, they're approaching prayer in a mechanical way. But if I could paraphrase the Lord's answer, which in totality is the Lord's prayer itself, I think to summarize it, this is what Jesus is saying. My effectiveness in prayer is all about the loving relationship I have as a son with my father. My effectiveness in prayer is all about the loving relationship that I have as a son with my father. So listen, as we look at petition here today, if you want your prayers answered, you need to learn to be a son and a daughter of your Abba Father in heaven. And can I say that's even more desirable than getting your prayers answered? One reason for that is that uh, this will sustain you even when you don't get what you're asking for. Even when you're in the mystery of why God did you, do not, did you not do this whenever I asked you. The context for all prayer is the Our Father relationship. In fact, the context for the whole Christian life is knowing God as your Abba Father and what it is for you to be his child. And so we see this in Matthew's context for the Lord's Prayer. If you want to look there, Matthew 6, of course, where you've been um, in previous weeks, Matthew 6 and verse 6 through to 8, just before he introduces us to the prayer itself, Jesus says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. The basis of all of this prayer is the relationship you have with your Father. And you're not heard in prayer because of, of the type of words that you use. That's what he says, isn't it, in verse 7, not vain reputation. Repetition. It's not how often you pray to, to an extent. It's not the big words that you use. It's nothing to do with formula or technique. It's all to do with the relationship you have because of who your father is and who you are as his child. John tells us that we are to walk as Jesus walked. And if that's the case as it relates to prayer, let, let me give you a, a, a few pointers. When you look at Matthew chapter 3 at the baptism of Jesus, just a, a few chapters before the Lord's Prayer, we see that Jesus receives as a son the affirmation of his father. 
Look at it with me. Matthew chapter 3. And uh, you know that the heavens open, the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven in the form of a dove, and then God speaks. And suddenly a voice, verse 17, came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, in whom is all my delight. And you see, if we're going to excel in prayer, we need to know that we are affirmed by God, that he, he loves us as his sons and daughters. Do you know how much God loves you? And it's very insightful to note that when Jesus in the next chapter, chapter 4, Matthew, comes to his temptation, 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness, tempted by the devil, that's what we often think of during the season of Lent, what was the very thing that the enemy attacked? Look at it. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 1 to 3, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones be, become bread. Now notice, the thing that Satan attacked was Jesus' relationship with his Father. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. But I want you to, to note also the word that Satan dropped out of that statement. Previously, in chapter 3, at his baptism, God spoke and said, You are my beloved Son. Satan drops that word beloved out, doesn't he? As he so often does when he comes to us in our temptations. He, he attacks our identity as children of God. And he wants to hide from us the fact of how much our Father loves us. In order to doubt his care of us and his provision. Turn these stones to bread. Relationship was attacked. And the sense that God as Jesus' Father would provide for him. Satan always attacks God's provision in our lives. That's what you have in verse 3. And that's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. The temptation is always to command bread ourselves. Turn these stones to bread. Do it yourself, rather than trusting Heavenly Father to, to look after you in your daily need. And then in the temptation, verse uh, 6 and 7 of Matthew 4 uh, the second temptation, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from the, the, the pinnacle of the temple, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So Satan had attacked Heavenly Father's provision of daily bread, but now he's attacking protection. Heavenly Father will not keep you secure, will he? And isn't it interesting? I, I, I've noticed just studying this this week how the Lord's Prayer can parallel the temptations of Satan. Because didn't Jesus then teach us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Satan attacks God's provision, his protection. Then verse 8 and 9 of the temptation Again, the devil took him up into exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The promises 
of God, Satan will attack in our life. God the Father will not honor his promises, the inheritance that you will have as a son. You've already heard about that this morning at communion. And Jesus was going to inherit the kingdoms of the world, going to the cross. But Satan is casting doubt on that. And isn't it interesting that the Lord's Prayer ends with the phrase, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But we're looking this morning at petition. Give us this day our daily bread, our basic need. That's what daily bread speaks of. Our basic need. Will God our Father provide what I need today? Can we trust him to do that? Well, the original temptation of Adam and Eve, don't you remember that? What was it? Satan came into the garden and said, God's not giving you what you need. God's withholding your need. Has God really said? He knows when you eat of this fruit, you'll know good and evil and you'll be like God. And yet Adam and Eve could eat of all the trees of the garden, but of the the great provision God gave them, but there was one he said, don't eat, and that's the one Satan tempted them to eat on the basis of Father is not giving you your daily bread. Satan always attacks at Father's heart and his love for you. If you ever ask the question, will Father provide what I really need? The problem is many of us are cut off from the blessings of God, because we're like orphans rather than sons and daughters. We come with our begging bowls to God rather than like children in faith that our Father will never refuse our genuine need. And Satan's lie is always, you can't trust Father to meet your basic need. You'll have to do it yourself. But the context of this prayer, even Matthew chapter 7, if you look at that, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, as the Lord continues, what does he say in verse 7 through to 11? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? Who, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Do you see it? Father will not give stone instead of daily bread. You remember the prodigal son story in, in Luke 15, that when he hit rock bottom and it says he came to his senses. He remembered that there was bread enough and to spare in his father's house. And that's what caused him to go home. The knowledge of father's love and his provision for him. But if, if you also recall, at the beginning of that prodigal story, that young boy was demanding his inheritance from his father without appreciation of who his father was and the love that was in, in his heart for him. That reminds me of what James says in James 4.3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, we're asking not based on relationship, but on our wants and desires. What responsible father would give their 12-year-old boy the keys to their sports car? We just wouldn't do it. It would be a dangerous weapon in their hand. And can I ask you, imagine the mess that you would have gotten into 
me too, if God had have answered all our prayers up to now. Think of it. I think when it comes to petition, and sometimes prayer in general, we want Father Christmas rather than Abba, Father God. Larry Crabb, in his book, The Papa Prayer, um, says, have you ever seen a kid at Christmas time going into Santa's grotto, being lifted onto Santa's knee, and Santa says to him or her, what do you want for Christmas this year? And the child says, now, before we get into that, Santa, how are you doing today? <laughs> a child's relationship with Santa Claus is generally functional, isn't it? Mechanical. They don't think about Santa all year round except what am I going to ask for at Christmas. And sometimes our relationship with God can be on that basis. We're actually not so much interested in relationship, we're interested in functionality. So I beg to offer you today that what we need is not a new prayer formula or technique to know how to get answers to our prayers. But what we need is a fresh baptism of the Father's love and a trust in his care for us. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 6 in this same sermon? As he's taught us to pray, he then says this, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying this. Your effectiveness in prayer is all about trusting that your Father will care for your need. It's all about abiding in the Father's love and his tender care for us. You know, that's really the open secret to Christianity. Abiding in the Father's love. In John 15, Jesus said as much in verse 7 through 9, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. <laughs> That's how to get your prayers answered. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. 
Verse 9 is incredible. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide or remain in my love. What kind of a love is this? The love the Father had for the Son, Jesus, is shown to us. And we're just to remain in that. And as we remain in that, and that love remains in us, we ask for what we desire in that love. And we get it. Abiding in the love of God is the key. I love 1 John 4, 16. In the Passion Translation, it reads this. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love he has for us. What an intimate experience of the love of God we have entered into as Christians. I hope that you, you know that. But have you come to trust in the love that he has for us? As a child with your Abba Father, do you trust him? Maybe you've got issues of trust because of the earthly father that you had or another guardian or figure, authority figure who, who broke your trust. But as you abide in Father's love, your true heavenly Father, what happens is this. This is the mechanism of prayer. And it's not about mechanics, but if we were trying to work it out, this is as far as we can go, I think. That as we abide in that love, God places in us, Father places in us His desires. And then we start asking for His desires. And as we ask for His desires, we get the answer to our prayers because we're asking according to His will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, and in his love, abiding in that, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And this is not carte blanche, just blank check to ask for anything. But it's in the context of the father-child relationship where we get to know the heartbeat of father and we start asking for what he wants. And then we get it. We get our daily bread. We get our basic needs. What was the first temptation to Adam and Eve? God's not giving you what you need. He's withholding something. You know something? Jesus is the bread of God come down from heaven. You remember how the Israelites received the manna every day? It was daily bread. And Jesus said in John chapter 6, as he talked about that in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the one who meets our or every need, day by day, if we feed off him. Let's not make a mistake of, of, of bypassing Jesus to what I need in my prayer shopping list, but understand that Jesus in our midst, Jesus abiding with us, never leaving us, Jesus indwelling us is all that we need for everything. And as we seek him first, we'll get all the rest. We'll get all that we need. Remember the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000? Jesus took the bread, broke it, multiplied it, 
fed 5,000, and that's besides women's, women and children. And then there's another miracle that we often overlook, the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000, where he did the same thing. But I want you to see this. In Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21, the disciples are out one day and they don't have enough bread again. And we read this, Mark 8, 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then Jesus charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. That's interesting because that's referring to the religious spirit and the political spirit that's having a field day in our world right now. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, They're scratching their head, Is it because we have no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Twelve. Twelve, by the way, is a number of authority and completion. Also, when I broke the seven for for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. That's another number representing completion and perfection. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Now, what, what is Jesus getting at? They forgot bread again, and they're wondering, how do we get bread? How do we get bread? And Jesus had already demonstrated, I am the bread of God. I am all you need. I am in your midst. I can meet everything that that you need. And yet they're still wondering. They still haven't learned. They still don't understand that Jesus in the midst is the bread of God who will meet your daily need. He's all we need. And if you're abiding in him and he's abiding in you, keep abiding in that love and you will see your prayers get answered as you pray according to his desires and his yearnings for you and this world. He will meet your daily need. Let me tell you this quick story as I finish. A number of years ago, um, there was a Chinese man from the USA, who contacted me on my website to say that he was going to be traveling to the United Kingdom and uh, he would be in Northern Ireland and he would like to meet me. And he'd been listening to some of the ministry over the years and I'll be honest with you, I thought to myself, oh, I have such a schedule at the minute, I, I don't really have that much time. So the best suggestion I had for him was that he meet me before one of the meetings that I was taking. And the only one that really suited me at that time was in Enniskillen, in a place called The Stables, for a lot of city folk and folk around here, it would be the back end of nowhere. And it's down this big long lane. Um, and I just said, if you can meet me there, I, I'll talk to you for a while before the meeting starts. And so there he was, the only person in the gathering when I had arrived. And I, I thought, I'll have a chat with him for 10, 15 minutes. And I, I took him upstairs and we had a, a lovely chat. And then at the end of that, he, he, he put into my palm of my hand an envelope, brown envelope. I thought, what's this about? And um, he then said to me that he, he went to London and he walked around London for a few days doing nothing, just looking at the scenery. But his prime objective in coming to the United Kingdom was to come to Northern Ireland and to give me this little brown envelope. I thought, this is amazing. 
quite bizarre. And so, as you do, I ran into the toilets after talking to the guy and opened the brown envelope. Now, at this particular time, things may have been a little bit difficult for us financially. And what happened was um, there was an amount of money there, quite a sizable amount of money in dollars. And as I opened that envelope, I heard Heavenly Father speak to me in my spirit and say, Now, David, I will provide your need. Even if I have to bring a Chinese businessman all the way from the United States in a plane over the ocean, right to your doorstep, down a country lane in Fermanagh, to give you an envelope, I will meet your need. What a lesson that was for me. I felt really rebuked for not having enough time even to, to spend with this gentleman who did so much to come. That was his one errand, but it was, it was God my Father that was providing for me, and he will provide for you too. Not your greed. doesn't provide our greed. But he provides our need. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you as I finish. Is there a lie that you're believing about Heavenly Father? Are you listening to the enemy that his provision is not enough for you day by day? That he won't protect you? That his promises won't come good for you? Well, I want to invite you just now to hand over to God any agreement that you've made with those lies. I want you to renounce any untruth that you have entertained in your mind or your heart or even said with your mouth about God's provision as your Father. And I want to encourage you to open your heart to His faithfulness, to His love and His care of you. And then... Ask him for whatever you need. Call him Father and ask him for something. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can call you our Father, Abba Father, as your kids, as your sons and daughters. And Lord, I just pray in this moment if there's anyone who's watching, that hasn't come into that relationship with you as their heavenly Father, that right now they will step in and know the provision that you have made for them in the cross for forgiveness and you've taken away sin in Jesus and then they will receive that as Jesus is the bread of God to satisfy their hunger and their thirst. May they do that right now. But Lord, may all of us as your children find our sustenance in Jesus and Jesus only. Forgive us, Lord, when we, when we treat you in a mechanical way to get our selfish desires met. Forgive us when we try to manipulate you to give us what we want. And help us, Lord, to learn to surrender to you as our all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving Father, Believing, believing, trusting that you every day of our lives will provide our daily need. 
So just in this moment, whatever needs, true needs we have, we bring them to you. But Lord, I pray for everyone watching today. This is my prayer for them, that, that greater than their petitions being answered, that they would receive an deeper relationship with you as Father that will sustain them through the mysteries and the dark nights of the soul. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. May God bless you in your journey with Heavenly Father this week and from here on. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.